Listening Dog Media. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and this week alongside me, are you ready? It's the greatest reporter ever to grace a Premier League stadium in the whole wide world, Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> Keep them coming, that's all I'm going to say. It's just going to get fine. even more extraordinary. It's helping me through lockdown. <laughs> and Sky Sports News' finest anchor in the whole wide world, it's Hayley McQueen. Hi, Hayley. Oh, Hello. <laughs> Uh, well, I hope you're both well. We've finally got some light at the end of the tunnel, haven't we, with Boris Johnson's roadmap out of lockdown, hashtag roadmap to recovery. And um, that's got us all feeling quite upbeat this week. I, I, can, mm. I can definitely feel people uh, getting a bit more relaxed, perhaps a bit more hopeful. I've seen loads of funny memes and bits on Twitter about what people are going to be doing on the 21st of June. That is the day when everything falls to the wayside, apparently. So I just wondered if you two had made any, mm. you know, rather rather large plans for the 21st of June. Well, I, I, I did notice, you've probably seen as well, it, uh, it's Boris's birthday, isn't it? Just two days before the 19th. So he's obviously, he's going to have his private birthday at home with his missus and his, and his, and his child. And then he's going to go wild from the 21st, isn't he? <laughs> well, I suppose so. Yes, it's it feels wrong to talk about going wild, doesn't it? But I, de- I, I mean, I definitely want to book a holiday, and I definitely like to see more than one friend at a time. Although I haven't really been seeing one friend. I don't know about you guys. I haven't really been socialising anyone because no. it, it's felt no. so restrictive, isn't it? Yeah, we don't even it have a household bubble. We we haven't even done that. But I'm lucky. I get to go to Sky and back. You're lucky, Kate, aren't you yeah, as well? Get, and, yeah. and, and it's all three of us at We're least. Not, we get don't to do leave badly. Our, we get to leave our our homes mm-hmm. and, and, and head to an office, which, I mean, it's, I am, I, I get excited every day that I know that I'm going to work, <laughs> sad, like really it? excited. <laughs> and I, I, I don't even have a coffee. We've got a lovely coffee machine at home that's free. You have to pay for your coffees when you get to work. But even I like 
bank. I don't have a coffee in the morning. I'm like, I've got to save it for when I get in and I can <laughs> have treat. it for my little coffee shop and I really save <laughs> yes. it. It is a big treat. Oh, yes. Yeah. And of course, good news about football stadia as well. I cannot yeah. wait to see if this happens. And um, I broke the line on Times Radio last week, actually, via uh, one of our reporters for the Sunday Times, um, in fact, the deputy political editor, that um, that. Uh, England or Britain are set to offer UEFA the chance to host the Euros over here. That's if our vaccination plan works as it should do. Apparently, Oliver Dowden's going to be making an offer. Well, that's where I'm going to jump in, because when you say, what am I going to be doing on the 21st of June? Well, the Euros start on the 11th. I think we should all be encouraged that they're going to happen. Obviously, partway through, we could see fans enter stadiums. And on Monday, the 21st of June, Ukraine take on Austria, North Macedonia take on the Netherlands, (laughs) Finland take on Belgium and Russia take on Denmark. But where are the games going where? to be played? Where? We don't know. But yeah, It could be exciting, couldn't we? So lots to look forward to. Well, on the show this week, there's plenty more as well. We're getting nostalgic, actually. We're focusing mm-hmm. on history, not just football history, but some moments from our murky pasts mm-hmm. too. So let's get cracking. The Champions League is back and, to be fair, so is the Europa League, Man United fans, which means there's no better time to sign up for all the unrivaled coverage at The Athletic. Right now, new subscribers can get a half-price annual subscription that works out less than £1 a week for an entire year. All you have to do is head to theathletic.com slash offside. But hurry, you've only got until the 25th of February. That's theathletic.com slash offside. Don't know much about history Don't know much biology All right, topic number one, history in the making. So for this, both of you, I'd like some history that is set to be made, on target to be made even. Do you want to get us started, Hayley? Okay. well, is it going to be Rangers? And it looks like they're going to win the Scottish Premiership, funnily enough. But yeah, it's it's all going on up there in Scotland, obviously, with the big news that Neil Lennon stepped down from his role this week as well. Um, it's just not been Celtic season, has it? They've crumbled. No, but finally, finally, Rangers as well. Um, there's that whole 10 in a row, uh, which had eluded Celtic before, but of course they have been on that absolutely sublime, sublime run. Um, Rangers are going to be champions, definitely. I mean, mathematically, they could still be called up. But it's um, unlikely there, right? But yes, yes. And looking at when they can do it, this is one of the records that could be set. So um, Celtic have won it before on the 26th of March, 2014. Okay. That was when Neil Lennon was in his first spell as manager. It was their 31st game. They then broke that record themselves. It was Brendan Rodgers. I was there. It was a 5-0 win over Hearts. And that was on the 2nd of April, 2017. So it was a little further on in the season, but it was fewer games. They just played 30 games and they managed to do it. But it looks like um, Rangers could, um, if things go to plan and they win all their games, um, when they take on Livingston on the 3rd of March, could actually be officially crowned champions, which is also my sister's birthday as well. So there's something to celebrate there if she was a Rangers fan, but I don't think she even knows where they are in the league. So (laughs) there you go. They're actually unbeaten um, 
their only loss was actually to St. Mirren, lowly St. Mirren, and that was in the League Cup. So huge, huge achievement for, for Steven Gerrard. And you do just wonder if he breaks all these records and he has this wonderful season, whether he will be leaving Rangers on a high and, and head elsewhere to potentially come down and maybe even manage in the Premier League. It'd be exciting to see who comes in at Celtic, because obviously when you had Brendan Rodgers former Liverpool and of course Steven Gerrard going head to head with the two big teams up there that became kind of another story didn't it when you've got sort of a different subplot that kind of takes on a whole different level of of, of excitement mm. and, and story so we'll wait to see who comes in at Celtic do you think um, it could be Frank Lampard for the old you know ultimate dilemma I mean, Lampard versus Gerrard that would be great, wouldn't it? I could see that. <laughs> so I saw him trending either. on Twitter the other day and yeah. I did wonder what yes. job he'd been linked to, but actually it was nothing to do with that. Yeah. I think they, th yeah. they said Roberto Martinez, but um, I don't think he's going to leave his Eddie job Howe at Belgium. As well. And Eddie mm. Howe, yeah. Mm. We yeah. shall see. Lindsay, what have you got for us? History in the making. History in the making, domestic-wise, and I've gone abroad into Europe. I'll start with Sheffield United because it hasn't been a very good year for them so far. Um, you'd think that they're, they're pretty nailed on now to go down and get relegated from the Premier League. So I wanted to give them some hope. Uh, they could get a trophy in the cabinet. They're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. If they got to the final and won they'd become only the second team in history to win the FA Cup and get relegated in the same season. Wigan, you'll recall, did that yes, in did 2013. But if they lose in the final and then get relegated as well, they'll join an elite group of five teams. I wondered if either of you could give me any of the five okay. who've also done the same. So lost in the final of the FA Cup and been relegated. Most recent one happened in 2010. Oh, gosh. Middlesbrough got to two Middlesbrough. finals. Middlesbrough, yeah, Middlesbrough, 1997, mm. yes. Cardiff? Nope. Nope. Uh, Portsmouth. Portsmouth, yeah, that was yeah. 2010, yeah. Yep, I was there. Don't know. And then you go, this This would be asking a lot of you because you wouldn't be very old at all. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, 1983. Leicester oh. City in 1969. Then. Yeah. And Man City in 1926. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just track back through the memory bank. But, All right. um, but in Europe, I'll give you my first one from Europe. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he had to feature in here somewhere. He could become the first person to win the Golden Boot in Italy, Spain and England if he finishes top goal scorer in Syria. At the moment, he's on 18 goals and Lukaku is on 17. Lukaku's been playing brilliantly. I wonder if he could spoil that party. But yeah, wow. he could become the first to do that. Yeah. I know we're talking history in the making, but I just wanted to flag up this very, very recent bit of history. Um, Arsenal making the Premier League's first ever concussion substitute. This flagged up when I was um, looking at kind of history in the making. Um, Rob Holding was replaced by David Luiz, wasn't he, in, mm. in the game against Manchester City. So there you go. History made very recently. But moving on to history in the making um, and taking actually Manchester Manchester City as uh, as the club that I'll be using uh, for an example, um, they've already done the making history by winning all those um, winning all those games at the beginning of the year. But I wanted to look more widely at consecutive Premier League wins. So this dates back to December for them. Currently, City are on thirteen consecutive Premier League wins. They need to get to basically eighteen to try and make history. Both Liverpool in uh, the 2019-2020 season and Manchester City in 2017 have reached that 18 point. So basically City have got 
five more games, six more games to win to surpass the record that they hold already and make a bit of history by leaping above Liverpool. Their next games are West Ham Wolves, Man United, Southampton, Fulham and Leicester. So it is it is achievable, isn't it? Um, let's Ooh, see that, what they That can Wolves do. fixture sounds tricky. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, ditto the Manchester United one for Haley. But it is it is all possible. Um, I took that because actually City haven't just been on this great run in the Premier League, as we know. Um, it's also within all domestic trophies and Champions League as well. So they're currently on 19 consecutive wins in all competitions. And actually, they're not that far away, again, from making history and being the uh, top flight side with the most consecutive wins in all competitions. At the moment, they've got Ajax to beat on 26. So City sit on 19, Ajax are on 26, Bayern Munich on 23, Real Madrid on 22. So they're really not that far around the corner. They've got that second leg of their round of 16 Champions League tie and then they've got the FA Cup quarterfinal against Everton. It's all achievable. Will they, ha- will they do it? Will they make history? I think they've got a really, I mean, you know, particularly, sadly, based on their current form as a Liverpool fan, they've got a really good chance of doing it, I think. Right, who's got another one for me? Yeah, well, I'm just going to mention Rangers again because I want to focus on the women's team. Now, Glasgow City have won the last Scottish Women's Premier League title. In fact, they've won the last 13. They are absolutely dominant. But one thing that Rangers have done is gone professional. They signed 14 players um, ahead of uh, the new campaign. This one was unfortunately null and void. Rangers were actually top of the table. So they could have gone on and, yeah, uh, wiped out Glasgow City. They could have gone and made sure that it wasn't 14 in a row that they could go and actually win the league title. So they were hoping to make a little bit of history there. It would have been the first time they'd have done it, first time they'd be runners-up, but they've already made history by going professional. So good luck to Amy McDonald's side. (laughs) I interviewed her last week, Hayley. I think I said to you, didn't I? And do you know what she said? So I'd, I'd been talking to you on this podcast on the Thursday morning and I interviewed her on the Thursday night, I think it was. And I'd done a bit of Rangers research and I'd looked at everything thinking I'll ask her a few questions. And then one of my first questions to her was, I know you're a football fan. Um, how often do you get kind of asked about it? And she said, well, do you know what the weird thing is? She said, I like football and I like fast cars, but that means it just dominates every single interview I do and it gets oh. to be a bit of a pain. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. so you, you quickly... <laughs> Strike that question off. off. At least I had a few more to ask him, but yeah. (laughs) It didn't exactly go to plan. Hayley returned to Rangers for for hers. I'm going to return to Syria for another one um, because Inter Milan, they're leading in Syria at the moment. They're four points ahead of AC Milan. We saw that, that big derby recently, which was fantastic. And then they're eight points ahead of Juventus. So they could win it for the first time since 2009 10. And in the process, they could stop more history being made by Juventus, who would be going on for a 10th consecutive. Scudetto. So it could end at number nine for Juve um, if Inter have got anything to say about it. They have got one game in hand on the two above Juve, but of course the the gap's still bigger than that. So it's all in Inter's favour at the moment. Um, Coming back to domestic as well, final one from me. If Norwich get promoted back to the Premier League, which they're looking good at the moment, they can join five other teams who've managed to bounce straight back to the Premier League after being relegated twice so this is that they've done it twice okay so I'm going to once again say there's five other teams five other teams that have done it that have bounced straight back after 
after a double relegation, did you say? Just after being relegated from oh, the Premier League okay, and then get being... back promoted again. Oh, my gosh. Um, Done it let's twice. search through my memories for this one. Um, who are we looking at? It's those in and out teams, isn't it? So Fulham? No, it's one? not Fulham. There are a couple that are in the Premier There's a, Actually, there's three that are in the Premier League right now. Two that I would expect you to get. Mm. Well, I, I was going to say Middlesbrough were. No. No, um, they've only done it once. Two. Oh, twice. Sorry. No, Crystal Palace. Uh, no. <laughs> about West Brom? West yes. Brom. Yes. So West Brom. Yeah, West okay. Brom and Newcastle. Those are the two that I expected you to get. Okay. <laughs> um, there's one more that's in the Premier Burnley. League. No. No. What about a team Someone that's riding not? very high. Oh, I was going to say. Oh. Leeds? Leeds ever done no. that back again? Straight away. Aston Villa? No, we might just go through oh, all the teams goodness here. goodness me. Go on, Lindsay. <laughs> Why don't you put us out of our misery? Leicester City. Oh, oh um, I was going to say Rotherham because they're a yo-yo team, but this wouldn't be the Premier League, no. would it? So, I mean, yeah. one one that's definitely up, up down, Midlands. Up down, up Midlands down. fans will be screaming because they're notorious for doing this. I think they've done it something like, they haven't done it twice 12 times, that's but right. they've been relegated 12 times from the Premier League. Birmingham, Birmingham City oh. and Nottingham Forest. Goodness me, oh, we did okay. really badly at that one, didn't Come we? On, crikey. Um, I'm gonna We've put got in... a quiz coming up as well. God <laughs> help us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll chip in with a, with a, a quick bit of history in the making when we're talking about going up and down the leagues. Lincoln City at the moment are sitting second in League One. They are on the verge of returning to the second tier of football for the first time since 1960, 1961. So we're talking about 60 odd years here. This is based on their wiki page, by the way, tracking back um, and trying to remember how many tiers there were in each stage of football throughout the decades. But yeah, if they do get promoted to the championship, Lincoln City, first time they've been there in over, well, around about 60 years. That's incredible, isn't it? There we go. Let's round up that topic there. And next, ladies, producer Flo has set us a bit of a quiz. Okay, this is our homeschooling section, isn't it? We're back after half term. The kids are going to be back in school soon. Woohoo! We've got a few weeks left, though, to deliver the rest of our homeschool curriculum. So we'll get cracking with this. You might already have guessed the topic for this week, but just because we like the sound effect, let's spin the wheel. Okay, well, no surprises then, really. It's history for this week. And we've been quite kind, haven't we, so far with our teaching style. So this week, uh, we're going to spring a surprise test on you all. Like any good teacher, it's it's vital, isn't it, to reflect on the learning so far this term. Okay, so producer Flo has come up with some football history questions, aided by her brother Theo, who apparently is a massive geek for this sort of thing. So thank you very much, Theo, for getting involved in the show this week. Let's get cracking, shall we? And it's a pub-themed question to get us started with. Okay. Can you guess, can we guess, how many pubs these football grounds have within a half-mile radius? The correct answer can be within two. So the grounds are Newcastle United, Wolves and Liverpool. So St James's Park, Molyneux and Anfield. How many pubs within a half-mile radius? Wow. So we're doing collectively... Well, I think so, yes. Let's go for okay. Newcastle then. How many pubs within a half mile radius? I think they've got half the most. Half a mile. I think yeah. they've got them because it's 
it's I've it's been there right a few times. On the well, it's in the city centre, isn't it? Um, so half a mile's going to take quite. <sighs> do we reckon mile. there's about twenty? No, more than that. More? Yeah. Because it's right in the middle, yeah. isn't it? And there's loads. Yeah. Think about how many fans go to a game and how many fans you can fit in each pub. I mean, I know a couple of obviously the bars right next to um. You've got. I'm going to have to press you for an city. answer, ladies. I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for thirty-two. Randomly. Thirty-two. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, Lindsay. It's a lot. So, uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna go somewhere between twenty and thirty. I'm gonna go twenty-eight. Um, okay. A half mile radius. I'm not gonna take part in this one because I have mistakenly seen the answer. I won't oh. look at the answer sheet for any of the others, by the way. Um, okay, wolves. How many? Well, I know of three straight away, which are very close. Um, but again, Wolverhampton. That's in the half a mile ra- radius. Takes the whole city centre. Yeah. Give us Again, a figure, any figure. I'm going to say 16. Okay. And then, Hayley, Hayley, do you want to have a go at Liverpool? I haven't seen this answer, actually. I'm guessing that there'd be at least 10, 12. I think about 20. Okay, I'm going to have a look at the answer for this one. Mm. And I'm, none of the I'm other gonna, ones. I'm going to go with the with Anfield one because it's a little bit further out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 10. Okay, so Newcastle, 108. Oh, my God. Wolves, 32, and Liverpool, 15. So you got the right oh. run of how of so how many 15, compared 16, to the other, but I, yeah. I think it's safe to I say we got all of that wrong. I should have thought about Newcastle city centre, the whole city centre. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I mean, there are thousands of pubs, let alone hundreds. Let's crack on with number two then. Can you name the last team to win mm-hmm. La Liga that wasn't Real Madrid, Barcelona or Atletico? Oh, she's about to say Atletico. Oh, Lindsay? I just said, oh, I'd guess uh, at Sevilla. I know Bilbao won it, didn't they, back in the day a little bit. But I, I think I know this, and it's not because I've seen the answer. I'm now not looking at the answer sheet anymore because it's no fun. But I know this because there's a Liverpool connection. Oh. A Liverpool connection? Yeah. Madrid. Valencia. Uh, oh, Valencia. Yeah, Valencia. I think you're right. Yes. Yeah, you're right. I think it is Valencia. I almost yeah. need someone else to tell me the answers because I don't want to look at this sheet. It is Valencia. Okay, so yes, Valencia is the correct answer. Now, producer Flo's stepping in and taking control of the answer sheet. So I'm going to click off that and I'll let Flo see me click off so we can play this properly. And she'll whisper the answers in my ear so I can relay them. Right. Question number three. <laughs> not before uh, not before you've had a go. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, question number three. Arsenal women had an unbeaten run that lasted from 2003 to 2009. How many games were they unbeaten for? Oh, Oh. Um, and it's oh, I thought, much I thought you were going to say well, it's going to be much oh, higher than Chelsea isn't it recently who who had their unbeaten game run cancelled I remember the story because they did better than the men's team yes the so how many are we games? just are we saying un- over, no it was over 100 you know yeah, it was over I- 100 games because it was unbeaten as opposed to just winning games I remember it being over 100 but it's I, 108 I if it's that no figure I, I'm pretty sure it is. Anyway, producer Flo? Yes. It is 108. You're oh. absolutely correct, Lindsay. Right, quick fire one here, ladies, for you. How many Brian Clough statues are there? Hayley? Uh, <laughs> two? Lindsay? Three. I'm going to oh. say four. How many Brian Clough statues are there, producer oh. Flo? That's three. Oh. There we go. Oh, Congratulations, where, where are Lindsay they all? Hooper. Do we, do we know where they all are? Isn't it? So it'd be oh, Derby, Forest, and is it Borough? So who scored the first ever live televised goal in the Premier League in 1992? Brian Dean. 
Ooh. Televised goal, oh. remember? Was that televised? I know that that was the first goal. Oh. But televised goal, who have we got? We've got, who would have been playing at that time? Shearer, Platt. Oh, I know who it is. Oh, my God. Is it Teddy Sheringham? Sheringham. I think it's yeah, Sheringham say, too. It probably would have been Man United, United on the telly, wouldn't it? Is that correct? Against, oh, against, oh, my gosh. Okay, well done, ladies. I don't know what the scores are, but I think we did a fairly respectable job of Not that. Bad. Certainly easier than your questions in topic one anyway, Lindsay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's yeah. move on. No, I'm, so I'm still impressed with that, that I remember Teddy Sheringham. I really yes. am. I know, I am impressed. It, just, it popped in my brain. You know you. how sometimes that happens? And if I was doing a, like a quiz that had a prize in it which this one doesn't, that would never come into my head because I don't know why. When there's something up for grabs, I just... <laughs> the pressure's on. Yeah. I'm sure many people just share crumble your under pressure. Crumble All right, under now pressure. the really juicy bit. We are going to be talking about our own history next in Topic 3. Mm. OK, so this is career history to complete the big history lesson here on the show today. We thought it'd be nice to look back on some of our favourite or defining career moments. Of course, we could go on for ages, but I'm going to ask you... It's definitely um, not defining. It's just some early, early memories be, in my footballing it could be career. memories. Yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. All, for all we know. Um, Hayley, give us one of yours then, please. I mean, I just want to mention, this kind of isn't football related, but it's sports reporting related. And this just shows you how useless I am when it comes to anything really other than football. So I love my golf. My granddad was a cricket man. He's from Yorkshire, got family in Lancashire as well. But rugby was definitely not one of my strong points. Rugby league, yes, my family are big Leeds Rhinos fans. But I remember um, one of the first times that Sky put me on air to update live sport. And I just got my head around sort of the ins and outs of, of the finer details of cricket. Still never really get the Duckworth Lewis method. But anyway... <laughs> And I was reporting on a game, as in just sitting in the studio, sorry, not reporting, just updating a game. And I was like, well, so it was like 78 minutes on the clock and it was it was all level. So I was like, well, it, I should have been basically saying that it was, you know, on a knife edge. Yes. It was just a couple of minutes. <laughs> I had no idea that a rugby match was 80 was minutes. Was 80. <laughs> yeah. And I... And I it got to eight and I was thinking, hold on a minute. What's, where's, where's this, where's this 10 minutes coming from? What? I could not understand. I mean, how bad is that? That just shows you how naive I was. I just had absolutely no idea. And, um, yeah, it kind of put me in my place. I think I was feeling a little bit big for my boots when I was, um, you know, on Sky Sports News the first time round. This was back in 2006 World Cup year and was 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 doing quite well. It was my first foray into TV presenting. And that kind of made me realise, no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to learn a little bit more than you think you do, young lady. So it's not really We've football related. Yeah. But it just We've reminded me there. the other day I was updating a lot of rugby and I just sort of had a little chuckle to myself. Thinking, <laughs> do they know how I embarrassed myself back in the day at Chamberlain had my life live on air? It was very funny. Wow. Lindsay. Well, you will have seen Steve Cottrell in the news a lot this week. Um, currently at Shrewsbury Town, he'd been in hospital for 33 days fighting COVID, really gone through the wars and uh, lots of messages going out across social media saying that they, they wish him well and that he gets gets better soon. What it did do is it, it jogged a memory that I have of Steve um, from when I first got into the business. I used to work at East Midlands Today as a sports video journalist and you'd go out and about throughout the, the the local region covering all different football stories and the one that I covered back on the 28th of April 
2010 was the day after Notts County had been crowned champions of League Two. They beat Darlington 5-0 the day before. And so they'd earned promotion and they'd been partying all night and they'd had such a good time. And then I was due to go to the stadium <laughs> to interview Steve Cottrell um, just you know about how great it was and we're going to put it on the nightly news. Um, and as I turned up, there he was. I thought, brilliant, he's turned up. There was half of me thinking, you know, the party might have gone on too much. He might not even want to do this interview. But nope, there he was, ready, looking a little bit hungover. And we started doing the interview and then he said, I'm going to have to stop. I need to go and be sick in a bucket. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. So he went and he heaved up into a bucket oh, and then he got near you. Because that, yeah. that, that would have apt, like, that, that would have made me simultaneously vomit at the same time. Yeah. So I'm, 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 ugh, we had a real, you. we had a real giggle about it. And then, <laughs> and then, of course, it, it goes on the nightly news, not, not the being sick part, the, the perfect part. But um, as I watched it, I was just thinking, if only they knew, if oh, only they goodness. knew what had happened just before. bit for, bit for, It'll be all right on the night, is it? <laughs> the old, uh, what's his yeah, name, Norton? Yeah, Here is a quick sort of salacious story from me. And it's basically when I interviewed Rafa Benitez, he'd bought a book out called Champions League Dreams. And I was really lucky to sit down with him and have kind of a good 40-minute interview, really in-depth. It was at a hotel in central London, so it was all very posh. Um, and um, in the book, he addresses the old infamous facts press conference where he laid into Sir Alex Ferguson. It was 12 years ago now. Um, it was at Melwood. And, and um, he also alluded to kind of all kinds of, you know, seemingly quite crazy theories about what he thought was going on at Manchester United. It wasn't just about the fact that he thought the authorities were biased towards Man United. It was it was all kinds of stuff, um, most of which people were, were kind of a bit taken aback by it. But even, you know, a few years later, when I sat down with him and talked about it, he was still really pumped up about it, which just goes to show how it wasn't for show. He was still upset about it a few years later. And after our interview finished, he said to me, um, look, I am telling you now that there is stuff that the media doesn't know about the whole fax press conference. And he said, I know for sure. And he said, I can't tell you how, but I know for sure that there was stuff going on at Manchester United. And he recounted a few things to me, which I won't repeat live on air. But needless to say, even a few years later, so it was 2012 when I did the interview with him, he was still really riled up about it and as a journalist you've got to contain all of those secrets all of those all the evidence that that kind of he was sure he had and it was past the point anyway you know Liverpool didn't didn't win the league Man United ran away with it and everything else is history but I just it was just you know special for me as a journalist to have someone like Rafa Benitez still be so sure have so much conviction behind some of his accusations some of which are very interesting indeed what Kate won't tell you as well because this is a show that Kate and I used to to present together and we we'd talk to people who had sports books out as soon as the Rafa Benitez one came in Kate was like that's it I'm doing that one that's it you know, <laughs> of former, former Liverpool no manager way I wasn't, I, yeah no I know no and I, I thought I won't even I won't even argue with it but what Kate won't tell you is that Rafa enjoyed the interview with her so much that he put a, <laughs> he put a link up to it on his own website didn't he Kate yeah he did he did he did yeah, well it, well, it was a great, it was a great interview. Would have been even better if he'd have revealed the stuff he revealed off, <laughs> off camera to me, on camera. But there we go. Some things will remain a secret. Um, Hayley, give us another one if you've got one. I mean, I could talk about famous games and goals and moments in history when I was there, but I, I guess just talking about some of the more personal stuff is, is, is better now that you guys have sort of revealed all like that. I, I kind of remember 
an interview that I did. It was with Gary Bailey, the former Manchester United goalkeeper. And it was the first time I'd interviewed him. He'd come in to do a feature. He'd come as a guest to a game at Manchester United when I worked for MUTV. And I was just starting to get out and about doing sort of feature interviews. It was for a documentary. And I was like, oh, really lovely to meet you. I was like, oh, you, you, my dad played for Manchester United for anyone who who um, is listening and, and might not know. And he played at the same time as Gary, of course. And I said, oh, you played with my dad, you know, happy memories, blah, blah, blah. And I was chatting away to him and he didn't really ask anything about my dad or didn't really sort of say much. Normally somebody has a funny story always or something to say. And then he was a bit sort of, he was a bit odd. He was a bit of a clever clogs anyway, back in the day, as my dad um, told me afterwards and did the interview, went off, blah, blah, blah. I spoke to my dad later. I said, oh, I just had a chat to Gary Bailey. He was like, oh, what did he have to say for himself? I said, oh, told him. And then he just said, oh, he said, you do know we, I don't get on with Gary Bailey. And I was like, what? (laughs) And he went, yeah. I once gave him a headbutt and that shut him up. <laughs> oh my God. So they, they didn't get on. Um, they have respect for each other now. I think when they obviously both left the club, things things were fine. But um, yeah, they didn't get on. And my dad had a big fight with him, put him in his no place way. once and, so and, and gave him a Glasgow kiss. <laughs> I was like, oh, my. And I was just trying to use him as sort of common ground to kind of sweeten him up. I was like, oh God, maybe I shouldn't be mentioning my dad to these people in future because God knows who he's caused trouble with. Hayley, I wish I'd had your dad with me for one of mine um because i think he'd have put this person in his place so i'm 18 uh, i've got work experience with the express and star newspaper one of the journalists at the time who covered west bromwich albion was called neil johnson and he kindly said he'd take me along for my first press conference this is my very first experience of going into a press conference and at the time gary megson was in charge of west brom it was his first year and I was sat with Neil, just minding my own business, making some notes. And I I think he actually might have even said to me, do you want to ask a question at the end or, or, or whatever? Um, and, re- and you have to remember as well that press conferences back then, they were heaving. They were full and in front mm. of the whole room. I think I'm probably, if not the only woman in the room, certainly there was only one other. I can't remember. Mm. And I'm 18 and Gary Megson in front of everyone said to Neil, Who's the bit of skirt you bought with you? Oh, my God. In front of the whole room. Welcome to the world of sports media, everybody. So, yeah, we get get those questions of, like, what's it been like being a woman in the industry? And that was my very first experience um, in in a press conference. Yeah, if your dad had been there, I I imagine it might have been sorted straight (laughs) away. put them right. Absolutely. (laughs) Bring him on. Bring him on. Well, my other memories are all nice memories, and they are shared with you to some extent, Lynn's watching... Uh, England played Germany and and get beaten at Wembley. This is in the women's game, but there was there was uh, gosh, there was over seventy seven and a half thousand people there, and just the kind of amazing journey that women's football has been on in this country. Actually, to be able to sit in that crowd, and then the women's World Cup final in twenty fifteen, and just being sat again in a stadium full of fans, over fifty three thousand to watch Carly Lloyd of the USA knocking a hat trick over thirteen minutes against Japan, and just being oh, at yeah. that, being at that, and and it being a celebration of the women's game. <laughs> and seeing some great football as well. So all the rest of mine are kind of mushy memories, really, um, and good interviews. All right, well, we should probably progress onwards to any other business. Well, for any other business this week, rather than the usual slightly off-the-wall stories, we thought we'd dedicate this bit of the show um, to one topic and one person in particular. Hayley, and I wanted to throw to you on this one with some important news that you and your family have announced this week. 
um, yeah, my dad has for a couple of years now not been in the best of health and has been going a little bit downhill of late. I think not helped by being cooped up at home because of COVID and um, he's just getting a bit bored, frustrated and he is suffering from vascular dementia. So we kind of had a bit of an inkling that it might be dementia, but he was 65 when he first started to have a little bit of a, a wobble and we kind of noticed a few things and it's taken two years really for it to come to a bit of a head. We had a few things happen at home where we thought, right, this, you know, we, we can't go on anymore with this. We, we've gone through the NHS for a little bit of help, but didn't get too far with that. They have been great with certain things, but obviously this last year um, has been very hard for the National Health Service. And we decided to go private and straight away found out that he does have dementia. It's vascular dementia. And I've been in touch with quite a few people, um, notably at the PFA and a couple of other sort of, um, people who've been working on um, dementia documentaries and the link between dementia and football, and in particular, heading of the ball. Um, and whilst you will never fully know the extent of the damage to the brain and whether it is, in fact, from head injury until you do an autopsy, which is a horrible thing to think about, um, a lot that we do know does look like it is from my dad's heading of the ball for many, many years as a player. He scored some very memorable goals with his head, uh, in particular against England at Wembley, ladies. <laughs> um, and um, he used to train and head the ball over and over and over again at the goalkeeper, stay back for practice. And growing up in Scotland and, uh, and living in and around sort of Glasgow, you had the big brick walls and other buildings and you just used to head a ball against the brick wall. And that was kind of your your way of practice, I guess. Yes, he didn't grow up in the 60s when he had the big, heavy leather footballs. He was a youngster then, but by the time he played professional, the balls had come on somewhat. Um, but I think it was just many, many years of just living life to the full. My dad liked a little drink every now and again, but that's certainly not going to bring on his dementia. Um, he liked socialising, having fun, having parties, um, living life yeah, being the centre of attention, really. Um, he was definitely very much the social instigator at Manchester United. Um, and we just thought that would continue into his retirement. And yes, whilst his body has failed him in many ways with his dodgy ankles and his hip replacement, we thought at least he's still going to be, you know, the fun character that we all knew and loved about him. But that started to disappear a little bit as well. So yeah, it's been it's been pretty sad. We've all come to terms with it as a family. I mean, you two have known for a long time my dad's not been very well. And we just felt that people who ask me about my dad and who bump into me at Sky, and I felt like I just kept saying, oh yeah, he's fine, he's good, he's, he's, he's all right. It's just a bit of a lie and he's, he's not really okay. So we thought we'd kind of let people know it's a way for my dad to come to terms with his illness as well. Kind of seeing it out there is quite emotional because it's like, ah, oh, okay, this is it. This is a reality this check, this isn't is, it? This really? is the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I suppose the, the outpouring as well from everyone yeah. is a bit overwhelming too. It is. I mean, I had so many direct messages on Instagram and Twitter and so many text messages. I sort of drafted a, a response to most people and just copied and pasted it. But I felt Aww. terrible. I, I felt like I had to reply to so many people. Obviously, I personalise a lot of them, but um, I didn't want anybody who'd taken the time to think about me and my family to send me a message, not have some kind of reply. But it took me a little while. And I, I got a lot of comfort out of reading the messages. And what I've done is, I know you you, Lindsay, the other day um, were in touch with John Inverdale, who sent a really lovely email. We've had Manny from um, 
Stone Roses get in touch with my dad. Oh. Lots, of, lots of fun people. Yeah, Chris, really nice. Chris Hewton sent me a message after I did the, the oh. Rotherham Nottingham Forest game the other night. And I've printed them all off, either from my phone or from my email. And I'm going to, not yet, but I'll, I'll sit down with dad. And he's been getting lots of phone calls and texts himself. But I'll sit down and, and read them all out. And if I have them in print and leave them at home... He'll be inclined to kind of pick them up and have a little bit of a read because yeah. um, if he's forgotten be about it, <laughs> they'll, him, they'll just sure. be there. Yeah, which yeah. which will be nice. And to read stories and fun memories about him as well has been has <laughs> been good. And we'll just get a little bit of that back once we come out of COVID and just try and um, make the most of him. I imagine here, there's I quite a few. I imagine. Uh, yes. Yeah. A, f- a few of them will be probably told one day when he's not here. They're, <laughs> they're, yeah. Don't want to be hearing these stories whilst he's still around because I'll be a... Uh, It'll be a Gary Bailey father against daughter type situation. <laughs> Dad, what did you do? God, why didn't you tell me this? Now I know. Now I know. Oh. Yeah. Well, look, and you know, also Haley, great that, that great that the story's out there to help increase awareness yes, of this, more than and anything. that he's part of a study yeah. as well, so that hopefully advancements can continue into trying to look and research into this because it's yes. not. It is definitely a thing and it's also trying to trying to help with the understanding and medical science part of it as well. So um, let's hope in in by getting the story out there, there is um, there is even more increased awareness of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll definitely help me as well become a little bit more informed about this and obviously reporting on a lot of these stories on Sky Sports News, unfortunately, because there seem to be names every week um, that we learn about having suffered from this. And we know that Jack Charlton um, recently passed away uh, from, from well, he, he, old age, but mainly de- dementia that he suffered from. It'd be good to have a bit more of an understanding and, and as well to help dad and see if there are things we can do um, going forward to help us personally, but to help other as well. I'm look, I'm really lucky. I have had an outpouring of love and, and get that because my dad was a public figure. There are other people who are just suffering at home who don't get the many, many messages, but would kind of want to help make sure that these people know that there are, you know, there are people they can turn to. There's the Alzheimer's Association. There's sort of dementia support out there as well. I've put a few links on my Twitter and my Instagram at McQueen Haley. And one lovely thing that came out from this was um Gareth Southgate's been in touch with my mum quite a bit this last few weeks, which is lovely. So Gareth's obviously taking part in the FA-backed study, which is looking into um, uh, dementia and other brain-related diseases. Um, And he's taking part in the study. It's called Heading. So this is kind of helping tackle this dementia crisis, which I think it really is at the moment. And my mum had just sent him a little message because he was obviously at Middlesbrough when my dad was as a player and then as a manager. So she sort of sent him a little message just to say, oh, I've, I, I saw the I saw the press cutting. My auntie had sent her a cutting from the newspaper. They're not really sort of internet people, my parents. <laughs> and she'd sent him a little message and he just rang her straight away. And she had a, she said, oh, I was on the phone to him for half an hour. And he wow. was just saying, oh, see if there's any help I can give you. I'll put you in touch with the FA. They put us in touch with Greg Dimitri, who worked at the FA, who helped me with 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 the statement. I mean, I, I wrote the statement with the help of my sister a little bit. And Greg went over it and put us in touch with someone at PA and just gave us a little bit of advice as to how to tackle it, what to mm. do and to get a positive message out there. You know, it's not the PFA's fault that these players are suffering from dementia. They're there to help them now. And we just want to make sure that they do continue with these studies and that they do provide not just um, financial help, but the support as well. And maybe try and form a group of 
um, former players, wives, task sisters, brothers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but since the call with 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 Gareth, he's rang a couple of times to check up on things and just to follow up. And I think God, he's got enough on his plate managing the what England team. What a lovely team touch! Really with a nice big touch. summer ahead, and just just rang her out the blue. Yeah. And just wanted to make sure that you know, having spoken to him, that she followed up with a few things and make sure that she was okay and ask after my dad and yeah, which is a really, really lovely thing to have done. So thank you, Gareth. Just to, you know, to have somebody so current in football reach out. Yeah, really, really engage. Well, we're sending you lots of love as ever, um, Hayley, and um, we will maybe cover the subject again if we can get some understanding and if there are developments um, um, around this, then let's make sure that we cover it. But sending you and your family lots of love and uh, to your to to dad as well. All right, well, that's it for the show this week. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find us at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Always loads of great stuff going on there. And the website too, offsiderulepodcast.com. Some great footballing content too. Must give a shout out for Ali Hooper, who's been doing a series, Whatever Happened To. Um, and there are a couple of Manchester United players in there featured over recent weeks, actually. But that's always, a, always an interesting one uh, to have a look at, where some of those famous names in football of a decade ago or so are now um thanks everyone for listening we really appreciate it Haley, how can they leave us a lovely review oh yeah you just simply tell us how much you're enjoying the podcast <laughs> and you just go to the five stars and just click and light up those little yellow five stars for us please thank you <laughs> the yellow stars of joy yeah it helps other people find us as well thanks very much for listening and from myself Lindsay and Haley. bye for now You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.